Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we're catching up today. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. And again, I'm Mustarding. <laughs> I gotta stop saying that we're catching up on stuff. I'll think of something different next time. Today, Dude, Every time. I cannot stop myself from we, it. We have a bunch of geekery, because we had a couple recording sessions in a row where life just came up. So this is where we're at now. Um, but you've been doing Lego, and maybe that's what we kick off with here. How is Lego, and how did you get back to it? And do you love it now, again? Okay, Okay, so so Lego's weird. I realized it was it's been three to four weeks now and that that I've really been like building a lot of Lego. And I realized what it is. And and it's kind of a whole it's a whole thing here around uh, around me getting into this because I was really getting overwhelmed am getting overwhelmed by the number of screens that are around me and how much time I spend on my phone and a computer between work and fun and uh, and honestly geek to geek stuff having the website and discord and just how connected I am with everyone all the time and I needed something not that I needed something completely and totally not on a screen. And even D&D, which is what it was supposed to be, uh, ended up doing it all online. So it was always still sitting at a computer using uh, digital tools. So I was sitting with my nephew. He came over one day and uh, he was mocking me because of how many unopened lego sets that i have and one of them uh i got the the yoshi set for the super mario legos in october because of uh, on halloween last year because it was my anniversary present from uh, jennifer and i still hadn't put it together and so i decided hey we're gonna put these together together uh he and i were sitting at the table and and grabbed the ones that i had unopened and we had an excellent time doing that it was super fun to sit there and put stuff together and i realized that was what i needed I needed something that uh, was completely disconnected from a screen, which especially once I finished the stupid Yoshi one, because it have you done any of those? Have you done the, any of the Super Mario Yoshi or the Super Mario Lego sets with uh, on your own or with your kids? Um, my kids have done them. So I bought them for my kids and I've seen how they all work. So the kids like them a lot. They're fun, but I haven't actually like okay. sat down to build them. OK, they're, they're super cool, but the instructions are, are not printed. They're no, on an it's app. all. Yeah, it's on an app. Yep. And and the app is great, and and I can't say bad things about it. The whole experience is is wonderful in every way, but it's on a screen, and I'm like, I want printed instructions so that I can build these bricks with my hands at a table without my iPad near it. Sure. Uh, but uh, that was my big thing about that one. Uh, but because of that, like I realized something clicked in me. Like when I was doing this, it's like Ironic. I really. <laughs> I didn't even didn't even get it, but now I'm now I'm giggling. Um, now, um, like I, I something was, uh, like I loved it, and I went to the store called Ollie's that uh, I know was around some parts of the country and is not in others, and I only recently learned about it, and it's kind of a discount second not secondhand, uh, seconds overstock kind of store. And they had tons of Lego Dimensions sets. And I'm like, I'd pay 20 bucks for that. I'll put that thing together and play the game. And that really was like, 
I put it together and I haven't played the game that much, but it got me into wanting to build stuff and uh, be able to get stuff like that cheap. And uh, like it, I, I figured out what it was and why I've fallen so into, I've been looking stuff up. I've been buying uh, sets that I've always wanted. Like I've always loved seeing all of the Lego sets. I've always seen the stuff every time a movie came out or a new wave. Every time I'm at a store, I look at all of the sets. I'm like, oh, that would be really cool. I want that. And now I'm just deciding to buy them. But all the ones I wanted before are now crazy expensive because Lego increases in gold, appreciates more than like gold does. <laughs> and like last year, I think that was the case, actually. I think Pokemon cards and uh, Lego appreciated more than gold. It was insane. And I never did this as a kid, Void. That was one oh. thing, like, I built a few things as a kid. Like, I had Legos like everybody did. It wasn't like my parents were depriving me and be like, no, son, you can't have those plastic bricks. It's it's uh, it, it, it was something that I was never good at. I always built, like, these two-dimensional stacks of colors, got frustrated because I didn't know what I was doing, and went and played something else. I'd play with my action figures or my video games or something. So I never, ever did anything like this. And so finally... I, it, it, it actually it, it, it's hitting on so many things that I need right now to really give me something meditative almost with just sitting there and building and focusing on something uh, without everybody uh, like something dinging at me and then doing something that I've never done before because it's not a nostalgia thing for me getting back into it because I've only ever done like until this last I'm trying to think until this last time when I started the Yoshi, I had only ever done two Lego sets before then. Oh, wow. I did. That's crazy. I to me. did. And I was in my 30s both times because one of them, I had this small Count Dooku like speeder bike. And then there was the Mario when I bought myself. Like that was the first time I'd ever put together an actual set other than like just seeing, you know, a family member do one and like sit with them and maybe put a piece on or something. But this was something that was all new to me. And so it's learning something as well. Like it's learning. I feel like I'm learning a skill because I was never able to see in three dimensions like this before how things are put together and how the uh, the actual like spatial reasoning works. And I'm like, oh, this is how you do that. And so it's just really, really cool. And uh because Riley was involved in it, he was watching the Lego Masters TV show, and um, I started watching it, watched the first season, and it's really, really great, and I figured out why I like it, and it's not because it's Lego. Have you ever heard of the competition show Making It? Mm, it sounds familiar, but I don't know it off the top of my head. It's a reality show about crafting and making things uh, like like with with both quilting. And I think part of it was Legos at the beginning. And it's got. Um, oh, her name is. I always want to say Leslie Nope because she's from Parks and Rec. It's Amy Poehler. Uh, it's got Amy Poehler and uh, Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec on there. And they're the hosts. And it's like I wanted it to be super good. And Jennifer, and I just could not get into it no matter what. And Lego Masters was hosted by Will Arnett. Uh, and so it actually hit that same thing. It's like, I wanted to watch people build cool stuff, but I didn't like that show. And so I typically like that kind of reality TV. And so this one just hit that too. Like we were watching that uh, uh, Blown Away on Netflix, the the glass blowing 
reality show, which the people are absolutely terrible in some of them. Like you hate watching some of the people, but it's like, how do you make that out of glass? Kind of <laughs> like that. How do you make that out of those small pieces of plastic? It's just insane people watching people be talented. So like I've been putting together tons of Lego sets uh, that I've either found cheap or that I had that I hadn't opened up at this point. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, there's something just inherently satisfying about putting together Lego, just because it's like you're building something, it's 3D, it's spatial reasoning, but also, like you said, you can kind of get into that zone that's almost almost meditative, not quite, it's not like perfectly zen, but it, you know, you're no, kind of no. like doing something with your hands that takes a little bit of thinking, but not too much, and you can just like zone in on it. I think it's kind of the same um the same thing that a lot of people get into like model making and model painting for. Yeah. But it, to me, always like Lego has always felt more approachable. Um, so yeah, that's awesome that you've discovered it. You know, every once in a while, like when I buy one for my kids, I'll sit down and put a little bit of it together with them and it's fun. But for me, it's less learning because I did that for so many years as a kid. But for you, if you're gotcha. coming to it for the first time, I can see why it would be more engaging for you. Yeah, and I was sitting at the table one day doing this, and I'm just like, why is it like I was I was listening to I wasn't listening to something I was reading an article or something, and people were talking about the nostalgia they felt and getting back into it as an adult, and it, that's when it actually like I was sitting there putting it, I was like, I don't have nostalgia for this. Like I have nostalgia for like three blocks that are like, oh yeah, I remember playing with that as a kid a little bit, but. I never did extended periods of it where right now it's really fresh and new and I'm actually playing with it. Like, and I know that sounds weird for an almost 40 year old man, but it's like I'm playing and learning and it's just something so new and different from anything else that, that I've done or that I do. Um, I know capsule J was doing some, uh, gunplay gunpla. I, I like, I don't know how it's, uh, actually pronounced, which is model making for with Gundams putting together, uh, Gundams on, on, on stream and stuff like that. Like there's a huge community for that. And like you said, it's like model making only I've never done it. So I was like, this is, this is really, really cool. And uh, there's some crazy, crazy cool stuff out there that the community has made. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been awesome since yeah. most of the stuff I've been putting together has been like Star Wars and uh, Marvel, but actually mostly Star Wars uh, because I'm me. Well, and so here's the other thing. So it's not like you and I haven't talked and texted a little bit, right? Even though we've both been busy and the recording schedule right. got thrown off. But like you text me Lego stuff for a while and then suddenly Star Wars. And I was like, are you back <laughs> on the Star Wars train now? Because you were off of it for like a good 12 months there, which is fine mm -hmm. because I know you and I know you well enough to know you'll get back to it, which is why I didn't stop recommending Star Wars things to you. I just kind of like oh, put yeah. them on your radar because I knew you'd get back to it. And so you just told me before we jumped on here that you finally got around to watching the end of the Clone Wars, which is one of my favorite Star Wars things that's come out in the last few years. Yeah, like doing all of this has uh, really put Jennifer and me both because she started too. she seen me do this and was having a really bad, bad day and bad, like 
few weeks, like really terrible stuff uh, was going on in our personal lives. And uh, she was just having a bad day. And she's like, man, I wish I had a Lego set to put together. So I went to Target. I was like, fine, I want a Lego set to put together too. So I went to Target and I spent uh, like $220 on more than that on getting us two Lego sets. I got like the giant uh, new medieval castle and uh, got her the Winnie the Pooh set because it was adorable. And so she has been watching or putting together it and just rediscovering how much she loved Winnie the Pooh as a kid. Oh, like went back and started watching the cartoon loving Winnie the Pooh as a kid, kind of rediscovering it, uh, opened up new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, And she also she's putting together right now. She went back and bought the Sesame Street set that they just put out, too. Uh, And that's the same thing that she's experiencing, like. I forgot that, you know, I always thought that I liked Sesame Street putting this together. She's like, no, I love Sesame <laughs> Street. Like, I love this. And she is so happy. Like, these are the only times in like the last year with like her, her dad getting sick with cancer and dying and COVID and, you know, everything around uh, just she's been like really happy and excited because of Lego stuff. And it's helping her rediscover those things that she, she really always loved. And that's what it's done for me with star Wars is like, I'm like putting this stuff together and I'm like, I got really tired. And I know that I've mentioned it on here before of the star Wars fandom. Like once Disney took over, I stopped wanting to be a part of the fandom and communities because it got a lot more toxic. Um, not even, you know, with all the stuff that happened as it moved along, like even when they announced it, people, the purest people got pretty toxic in there. So I started removing myself and then it got more and more toxic over time. But and so I kind of started separating myself from the franchises because of that. And then I was disappointed in Rise of Skywalker and just it was a whole thing that pushed me away. And I bought the old the Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, his the Obi-Wan's hut and the Luke Skywalker's uh, land speeder sets and put them together and it made me remember the things i loved about star wars like not not the the franchise not the anything else around it but it's like these things i loved and uh so it got me wanting to do that and riley talking about the bad batch like constantly being like have you watched the bad batch yet like it's really really good it's like my favorite thing ever and i'm like no i haven't watched the bad batch yet he's like okay and then the next night he's like have you watched the bad batch yet so he he wore you down he wore me down like uh, it, it really did. Like all of us, like, you know what? Void said that the that the last part of the Clone Wars was one of the best Star Wars things he'd seen. Like it was like a, a movie uh, when you put it all together. And I decided to go and, and just watch the first bit of it to see the Bad Batch and then watch the end of it because uh, it's awesome. And I know it's fantastic and what part of it's about. And oh, my God, it's amazing. It's like so good, right? End, yeah, it's like so good. Like I knew it was going to be good, and I knew that you talked about how good it was, but it really kicked me in the gut a few times. Like there was a point where when, and this is a minor spoiler. It's not a big spoiler. It's like a a, a ten second spoiler for y'all here. Well, so and it's skip been ahead. out for almost a year now. So yeah, and it's not even a, a big spoiler. It's just something that happens. Uh, apparently, so I'm in a really raw emotional place. If you cause, if you all couldn't tell, and Ahsoka comes back in this, and it's the first time that you see Ahsoka in like two seasons because she left the Jedi Order, and the clones still call her Commander, 
And for some reason, she saved. And well, for some reason, when she saves this clone from uh that was crashing in a cockpit, and he says, "Thanks, Commander," and just looks at her, I teared up, and I'm like, "What in the world is this?" <laughs> it's like I am. I knew that Ahsoka was like my favorite character and uh, with all the stuff they've done, but holy moly, it was like, I am invested apparently like this is where I'm at emotionally. Like this is, this is good for me. And like, it was really, really, really good. Like it was top notch storytelling. And uh, I was really glad that, uh, that y'all pushed me uh, to watch it by just being like, when you get to this, you will love it. It is good. Get to it sometime soon kind of thing. Yeah, and I know you would. And it's it's cool that you're getting to this right now because um, my brother has, he's always liked Star Wars, but never to the extent that I have. He's always been more Star Trek. So it's like him right. and I both like Star Trek and Star Wars, but my deep dive was Wars and his was Trek. And that's always okay. kind of the camp that we've landed in. And um, I had been talking to him about how good the the end of clone wars was so i talked him into watching that finally because he really liked the mandalorian both seasons of it and he was looking for something new and i was like watch the end of this you'll like it just these four episodes don't commit to seven seasons just watch these four episodes it's basically a standalone movie so he watched that and thought it was amazing and then he helped me talk my mom into watching that and so she watched the last four even though she doesn't really like animation um oh okay so they both loved that and then um as my brother was looking for something else to watch he was like well should i go back and watch the clone wars and i told him it's really hard to go back and watch all of clone (laughs) wars because it starts so rough but it ends so well so i was telling him well the bad batch is coming out and it's new like you could watch that and be completely caught up with it in a week or two because it was right after Mm -hmm. that premiered um or you could go watch rebels and so what he ended up doing was he watched the first couple episodes of bad batch really liked it and then he went back and whenever he didn't have bad batch to watch and he had some downtime he would watch rebels so he okay awesome he he has finished the entire series of rebels all four seasons during this first season of him watching the bad batch and now we're like one week away from the finale of bad batch um and so it's been cool to see him come back to it right as you're coming back to it too and like just seeing this whole other wing of star wars stuff that's not the core movies that is latching people in and like getting people hooked on it and interested and I didn't think I was going to get into the Bad Batch, that it was something that from the moment they announced it, I thought it was going to be neat. Like that was going to be the extent of it. And I haven't watched the show yet. You know, I, I finished the the series. I finished the Clone Wars today. So, I mean, I can't I can't say I've even started it, but I've never been one of those people who really gets into the military side of Star Wars that the the Republic uh, and the the clone squads and stuff like that have never been something that's interested me that much. But they did an excellent job on these being unique characters and the way that they introduced them, that it made me care about them almost immediately. That especially with, I'm not going to even talk about the uh, the spoiler part of it, but especially once you consider the stuff that, that, that really brought them together and that was kind of the focus of those Clone Wars episodes, once all of that concluded, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in on this. Like, I could see how they, they could make a, a full show about these guys. And uh, so that's actually just recently when I've got into the idea that maybe I would like The Bad Batch as a TV show uh, because it's doing something different in that era of star wars that area of star wars than uh than even just the traditional you know 
military type stuff does. Yeah, and you can, like you said, you haven't watched it yet. I'm actually up to date, so I'm one episode away from the finale just because the finale hasn't released yet, not for another couple right. of days after we're recording this. Um, but The Bad Batch definitely is solid. It's probably the best first season of one of these animated Star Wars shows that they've had, but it has the typical mm. first season thing where you can tell they're feeling their way and like figuring out the characters and um, how it fits into the universe and what makes it interesting. So there are episodes that are really good, but then there are episodes that are good. Whereas in Clone yeah. Wars, there were episodes that were really good, and then there were episodes that were really bad. I feel like the really floor, the floor of these animated Star Wars episodes has come up so much, so that when you have a an episode that's not reaching the highest highs, it's still generally good. Um, so the whole mm-hmm. first season of Bad Batch is good, and then there are some episodes in it that are like really good. Yeah, and that was actually one of those hesitations for me is because of how bad the first couple of seasons of Clone Wars were, which weren't Disney. So I mean, those were those were still George Lucas having his thumb like thumb and entire hand in that pie. But Rebels Rebels kind of has the same Rebels, issue. Rebels has the same issue, but it got better than that. And then season 6 of Clone Wars came out and it broke me on them. Like I did not like season 6. Yeah. Uh, once they did it like that, may that may be more than anything why I was hesitant on the Bad Batch. I'm watching season seven because it was so bad and I enjoyed so little of season six of uh, the Clone Wars well, that uh, it six, has to be better than that. Six was the weird one that was like half done in production and then mm-hmm. Lucasfilm got sold to um Disney and so it stopped production and then they had to bring it back later but it was like a split season in a weird way so six is really strange yeah and it you can tell like toward the end when it gets into the Jedi stuff I think those were the ones that were done after Disney took over they're 10 times better than the beginning of the season yeah but it's just super hard to watch and early Clone Wars is super hard to watch but uh, it's is all worth it knowing that story. And I'd forgotten until rewatching this part how much I like Anakin in the Clone Wars. Yeah, that it makes me sad for how bad he is in the movies uh, because of how awesome he is in the Clone Wars cartoon. It retroactively makes him a better character. It does. And that is and I actually like Revenge of the Sith. I actually like most of what they do with Hayden Christensen in that movie. So, I mean, it's my least favorite prequel, uh, but it's still I watch it a lot more than the others. And he's still Hayden Christensen, but they finally I see why they cast him as Anakin in that movie. And it's like, okay, And then the Clone Wars like, yep, yep. Love that character. They did good with that one. That's that's what Anakin is right there. Yep, that's who he is. So I'm I'm really uh, I'm really sad that there may not be any more of him. Well, but man, that, of that sad, last scene in Clone Wars. You you were also watching a murder show. Okay, so I did. <laughs> I watched. I binged the two seasons of Making a Murderer. Okay. Um, I do not do. I do not do true crime. It is not something I particularly care about. It's not something I particularly want to uh, glorify in a lot of ways. Um, I don't want to uh, just spend that much time on tragedy and loss and and horror, really. Yeah, um, I can't either, like at all. I just don't do true crime. Like, 
I get people who who love it. I really do. I get people who love it, and and it's just not generally my thing. There is occasionally one that really gets me though, and so we were. Uh, I say we um, during the last month or so. On I think it was July twenty eighth. So I got it in there for you, so you can hear me say July. Thank you uh, because we missed a few. Um, on July twenty eighth, uh, or maybe it was eighteenth. I don't know. Whichever one is my mother-in-law's birthday. Um, Joe from Geektitude, his husband, Matt, uh, Bama Shocks, and his wife, Lady Shocks, uh, came to Florence uh, while Joe and Matt were on a road trip, and we all had dinner together um, at a hibachi grill place. That's awesome. And it was so awesome to meet and finally finally see everybody because joe lives way out in california and uh, bama lives about two hours south of me in uh, birmingham so we just never had a chance to uh, to meet up and hang out and so all of us were here together and one of the things that came up was true crime because joe and matt really liked listening to that and that's what they're doing on their uh, road trip was listening to podcasts between places uh and so uh that got me thinking about it and i looked at the documentaries that were on netflix and I saw making a murderer and it was it was seemed really cool like were these people uh somebody maybe uh wrongly accused and convicted and uh all of it like I decided to watch it watched a few episodes of it just here and there and then it was like oh this is what my lunch hours are going to be and when I have a little bit of time I'm going to watch this and I finished it up and it was really really good and now Jennifer says I watch murder shows <laughs> and uh, I'm like I don't watch murder shows I just watched this one show that happened to get me it was really really good and she's like I see you started a couple more on Netflix I'm like yeah and I watched like one episode and didn't like it and stopped I was like this one murder show got me but it was really good because it was about somebody who you're not sure whether the the police friend or not that uh, whether he was wrongly convicted of uh, crimes that he didn't commit and it happens more than uh, more than once like he gets out of prison and then later on gets into the same like wrong he was wrongly convicted spent 18 years in prison and then dna got him out and then within like three years he was arrested for murder and uh, it's just a huge uh like is it a conspiracy? All sorts of stuff. Like it is so, so good and not my usual thing, but, uh, it didn't depress me like, uh, like it normally would have, I think because of just not focusing on the crime, but focusing on the evidence and how it was used. So it was really good. Why, why do you have this paired with Bo Burnham in your notes is the part I don't uh, understand. Because when we're talking about shows that are dark and that my wife wouldn't watch with me, oh. uh, Bo Burnham Inside is uh, right there with it. Because after you recommended it and I'd mentioned that Austin and his wife had recommended it, we went and watched it. And about halfway through it, Jennifer's like, I got to turn this off. I can't. And she just could not deal with it because it brought back so many feelings from last year that she actually started feeling what last year was like she started feeling these things again that was going on while her dad was sick and all the the stress and everything we didn't know what was going on with covid and so she was like i just i just can't watch this and eventually i went back and finished it by myself and it is brilliant and fantastic and absolutely a masterpiece but i totally understand why she was unable to finish it yeah i can like, see it that. was i mean i kind of so great though i warned you up front right like it's, oh yeah to be in 
an okay headspace before going into it because it's it's not that it's like dark and twisty and horrible it's just that it's a real like raw look at how everybody's been feeling over the last well since covid started kind of being trapped inside right and it's like if you're not in a good headspace that can really hit you hard um but also if you're not in a good headspace seeing somebody else going through it and like also turning it into comedy um and turning it into songs and turning it into like songs that are almost too real sometimes can Uh also be cathartic so it depends on the type of person you are and the way it hits you and also your current mood the the thing i will say about it is that when i had talked about it with you last time i think i watched it once and then i had gone back and i watched um i might have watched it twice but i definitely had watched it once and i went back and i watched a couple songs again that have really stuck out in my mind since then it's been like a month since then i've watched this six or seven times and you know, I never like wow. I barely rewatch things twice. That's rare for yeah. me. This has been constant in my rotation. Like I'll watch something new on the treadmill and then I'll be like, oh, I could go for Bo Burnham again and I'll watch inside again, start to finish. Holy cow. And this is probably going to be the top of my best of the rest for the year. I don't know what could possibly unseat it at this point because it resonated with me so much and I find it so insightful and smart but also cathartic and it's like i just i love this comedy special for what it is oh it's brilliant it absolutely is brilliant that it's one of them that completely and totally er deserves all of the praise that it's been getting all of the hype and uh you know the the songs get spread around Everything about it is brilliant, and I don't often say that uh, the stuff that, like, take mental conditions and apply, like, oh, my God, I'm so OCD about this. It's like, no, I know people who are OCD. That's not what that's like. Like, the way Jennifer reacted to it really is what I understand, like, PTSD triggering does. Like, she had this visceral gut reaction where she was there again and was like, I can't. And it's like, that... I think that is uh, that speaks to how good of a program it is and how well he accomplished his goal when he was making it to yeah. document what that was, because it kind of uh, it did. And in a lot, of, I don't want to say it triggered my wife, but uh, because that that's that has a different connotation to it. But it was absolutely painful for her to watch because of the stuff that it dealt with. It is- and it's just it's good though like it's hilarious in that kind of way yeah and it's going to be kind of a time capsule of what all of us went through as a society which i also find fascinating because it's already hard to think about last year and get that same feeling of isolation and and worry and not knowing what was going on even right now as we record this i'm in alabama where everybody is surging with delta and it's uh it's a, still a different feeling than yeah. it was like it's very much a a time capsule of that uncertainty everywhere uh where i i I referred to it as the apocalypse all last year, and I hold by it. Uh, like last year felt like the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. And yeah. it was that show absolutely shows that. Yeah, it's just it's so, so well done. So I can't recommend it enough. If any of the things that we've said about it 
even vaguely interest you, it's worth at least checking out and watching a couple songs deep into it just to get a feel for it. Yeah, or like finding out what somebody's favorite song from it is and then going and seeking that out if you don't want to expose yourself to like all that kind of thing. Because like uh, um, I like uh, I made you some content and uh, Jeff Bezos and uh <laughs> Then the the one that I can't remember uh, everything all the time is that what uh, yeah the what welcome that one's called to the like internet song. the welcome to the internet yeah like those are my three favorite things in the entire like songs overall songs in the in the special like I loved those more than the rest of them yeah I mean welcome to the internet is basically like the thesis of the entire thing and it comes about three quarters of the way into it. Um, yeah, but having watched it as many times as I have, I'm like, oh, that's the core thought behind this entire special is it is that song. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, it's just it's so good. Um, sorry, we lingered on it a while. Uh, I was going to say before I jump into my stuff here, just because we're kind of unstructured in a way that we normally aren't. But don't forget, we do have a network. We're part of a network. We have podcasts. We have streamers. We have the Geekery blog, all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent to you. We also have a digital magazine. What's the newest with that? Uh, we are working on the uh, one year issue of that. It's going to be all about sequels because we're moving into year two. So uh, it's really cool. Y'all should check it out at patreon.com slash geek to geek cast. And uh, I know I mentioned it earlier. I want to give a shout out to other things on the network. I want to tell you about, uh, you know, Geektitude is awesome. Uh, another pop culture show like us. Uh, I just. I want to make sure that y'all are aware of what all we've got. We mentioned we're part of a network, but we uh, should talk about other ones. Uh, Void here has uh, Disney Forever as well with uh, the co-host of... Katie. Uh, the co-host of Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop and Tea Time. Uh, we have some new new streamers and uh, folks on uh, like... Uh, Bama Shocks I mentioned earlier on his Twitch channel and Mating Habits of the Modern Geek. Just really, really good stuff uh, that we've got on there. So geek2geekmedia.com should definitely be a destination for you. Yeah, yeah, there's tons of good stuff there. With that said, um, I have a couple things for more geekery like quick hits here because i knew yours were going to be a little bit bigger in this episode so i'm holding some of my bigger stuff for next episode um as we catch up here over the next couple recordings but um i played with the world's smallest magic the gathering deck which is the thing i didn't know existed i'm sure that it's not literally the smallest because they mass produce them like it's a product i grabbed off the shelf at target (laughs) um but it's tiny it's really really tiny and so um I was with my kids at Target. They were just browsing because they had a little bit of spending money with their allowance. And um, we were like in the toy section and they were looking at Pokemon cards because they're into Pokemon cards right now. Right. Um, And next to it was all the magic cards. And I don't really care that much about physical magic cards because I'm mostly playing digitally. And the only time I really interact with physical cards is when my my brother will buy them and bring them over and we'll just do like tabletop magic together. But I saw this like, it was like a $4 two pre-made decks that were called the world's smallest magic deck and that's they awesome were so tiny um but it was like actually playable so i grabbed that and then the next time my brother came over i made him play that with me and it was like we could barely read the cards um because the text is so small 
but it was just two wow. it was two dual decks it was a jace deck and a vraska deck and they were both completely playable so we played an entire game of magic with these tiny tiny decks and now i think i'm just gonna throw them into my my like everyday carry bag that goes with me everywhere just in case i ever have an excuse to like play a tiny game of magic somewhere between other stuff or when i'm traveling it'll just be in my bag just in case that's crazy because I thought what you were talking about with the world's smallest magic decks were that they had they were the thinnest no. that they were like ten cards you play a quick like sprint magic thing like this like hey here we're at three no, health and here's some decks no physically, physically small that's yeah. awesome no they're like they're I don't know maybe like one inch by one inch like even if even like they're tiny little cards um it was that so sounds funny. awesome if i see those next time i'm at target i'm totally picking that up and it was cheap it was like five bucks for two dual decks that face against it, each other so yeah how yeah cool. um and then i have been playing more uh actual magic um on arena which i guess is the main magic for me i've been digging into the right. D set the adventures in the forgotten realms um sealed was really fun they always do that for the first like three four weeks when a new set comes out so i love sealed as a format just trying to make it work with whatever are in the packs that you get for like your right. sealed pool um and then i'm enjoying the new card mechanics their classes are cool because it's D classes so it's like an enchantment that you put out there and it just stays out there and it has an ongoing right. effect that's related to the class um they added d20s to black border magic which used to only exist in the uh, silver border so like the unsets mm-hmm. the special sets that weren't legal but yeah a ton of cards in the D set have d20s involved which is super smart because it's D related yep um and the other thing is it's like it's so fast to play those on arena because i don't have to roll a die right i just like put the card down and it does it for me it's great um does it do it automatically like oh, yeah. i haven't played like any of it in in arena because other than just opening up like the free packs that it had so i hadn't actually used any of the ones that say roll a d20 so i didn't know if it was an automatic thing or how it actually worked so that's yeah it just it rolls for you it it just automatically happens so it doesn't actually take that much time i'm sure if you're playing physical paper magic it would make it take a little longer but not that long right you just roll a d20 it's no big deal oh yeah yeah it's no big deal i was just yeah yeah um, and then they added a whole new mechanic called Venture into the Dungeon, where there are three dungeon cards that live like outside of the game. Um, and if you have a card that says Venture into the Dungeon, or if you trigger an ability that says Venture into the Dungeon, you can pull in one of those from outside the game. You can pick from any of the three. And it kind of acts like a choose your own adventure. So every time you venture into the dungeon, you move into the next room and then it points like one of two or three different paths you can go down and then you go that direction. And so every Hmm. room you enter has an effect. So do you know how like saga cards work where it's like, um, you put it out there and then like every turn it just like, it does a new ability and triggers an order. So think about that. But instead of, it happening automatically every turn it happens every time you venture into the dungeon but it's the same idea except with a little bit of choose your own adventure mechanic built into it so that's really cool yeah so you might have a room that's like scry a card and then your next room might be like you can either get a plus one plus one to somebody or you can like spawn a goblin token right so you get some choices as you go on but it's kind of a fun way to just like venture through a dungeon um yeah so yeah i like all of the new mechanics that they did um i'm still i haven't really incorporated them into my main standard decks yet so i'm kind of waiting to see how those will plug in especially because rotation is coming here in a month or so um and that'll Mm -hmm. really mix things up but you can definitely tell they're bringing that power level back down to fix what they broke with throne of the eldraine where they just kind of made standard way too powerful Man, I've heard so many people talk about what 
the current standard is like once you brought it up and it kind of tuned me in to where magic was it's like whenever i look at magic that's what i'm hearing is just how ridiculous it is and cannot wait until the end of the year for stuff to, to cycle out like we even had uh had uh one of the people who cleaned the house uh was saw my my new lego collection that i have spread out and uh we were t- started talking about magic and he was just talking about how much he cannot wait for uh, innistrad to come to cycle everything out and uh, it's like everybody is tired of standard and it just comes up all the time it's like so i'm i'm really hoping for magic folks that uh the D set and uh innistrad and everything will make it a much better experience well, um, I know I talked about um, when Strixhaven came out as I was getting back into, um, you know, Arena from being gone for a while, how I wanted yeah. to try the other formats and like do more limited. But as I started to experiment with it, I just didn't like the limited for Strixhaven for that set specifically. Right. And so I gave it another shot with um, this one with Adventure in the Forgotten Realms. And I love this. This is the most fun I've ever had with drafting. And I'm drafting more with this set than I ever have before. Like, it's so much fun because these mechanics come up all the time and they're all new mechanics and they, they work really interestingly together. And yeah, I, it's it's all D and D themed, which is just fun to see. I don't know. There's something about it that's just totally clicking with me. So I hope that limited. I'm still enjoying when we get to Innistrad, but for right now, I'm having a ton of fun just doing a lot of drafting. Yeah, I mean, drafting is really fun. I'm just bad at it. That I have never <laughs> since I was 14 years old, I've been bad at drafting, and I mean that was what 24 years ago. Like I'm just not getting any better. Like, that's one of those things that I enjoy doing, but I will never be able to do it to win. I might win one game out of the tournaments and get an extra pack. Like, that's the extent of me ever playing and winning in a draft. Well, yeah, and it's like, like I don't bad. want I don't want to do it in person, but I like doing the digital draft because it's like, as long as I want to make my deck or play with it or mess with it or as short as I want, if I want to just like, whatever, take out all the cards that aren't these two colors and then just see what happens, I can do that too, depending on my mood. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, because it's digital, you're, you aren't like confined to a draft pool of six or ten players or whatever at your local game store because right. it'll go out and find like okay well you lost two games in a row let's pair you up with somebody else who lost two games in a row and hopefully your decks will be about the same power level so you usually get out of a draft experience having won a few games at least oh wow i didn't realize it did matchmaking like that oh yeah that, it, absolutely. Uh, i thought it was just straight up uh people who were in part of the draft no, and so if you go on a tear and you're going like six and zero, oh, like it'll pair you against other people whose decks are going like six and zero. Oh. So oh. it it goes out of its way to make sure that you're paired against decks that are kind of coming in at the same power level as you. And I've noticed that there have been a couple times where like I lost two games in a row, and you kind of get knocked out if you lose a third game. But I'll lose two games, and then it'll start pairing me against other people who have lost a couple games, and then I'll actually go on like a streak. So I'll like lose twice, and then maybe win like three or four times in a row. And oh. That works pretty well. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I mean, like I said, I may win one. So that may be why I win one is because I'm so bad that it prepares me up with other people <laughs> who are so bad. Like, I really had no clue. But that that is a fantastic feature to be able to use. I did not know that, that was part of the underlying um, matching system. Yeah. And then I had two other things that, like, 
I, I almost wish I had more to talk about with them because in another time, if we were like in the right headspace, they could be their own episodes. But I actually don't have a whole lot to say except that I liked right. these two. So Loki finished up and then also I yep. watched Black Widow. And yep. I, I liked Loki overall. It wasn't my favorite. I didn't think it was as good as um, WandaVision because WandaVision so amazing. But Correct. I liked how the end of Loki set up um, kind of everything for the next phase of the MCU and how we're going to get all the multiverse stuff with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and all of that. So I like what it did for setup, but as a standalone season of TV, the ending left a lot to be desired. And I feel both of those at the same time. I'm like, oh, I love what that did for the MCU. I didn't actually like what it did for this season of TV. So I just kind of landed in the middle for Loki. And I loved Loki. It was something that I, it wasn't one where I was chomping at the bit like I was WandaVision because WandaVision was just so amazing. Yeah. But Loki was doing really cool things every week that I loved and was looking forward to watching it, but I could wait if I had to. WandaVision was like waking up early in the morning to make sure we watched it before work kind of thing. And it was it was just phenomenal and still my favorite thing in the MCU. Loki is great and has some super amazing episodes, but I love the finale. And you're right in terms of being a single season of TV. Uh, it doesn't do a lot for the overall narrative. And you have narrative uh, issues with it on Loki reacting to things rather than actually and pushing him forward rather than by the plot and rather than doing things himself and taking the, the initiative. But the end of it dealing with uh, the character that they introduce for those who have not watched it. I love that actor and other things like he was the main character in Lovecraft Country and he couldn't have been a more different character. If you've watched both of those, then you know the range that this actor now has. And I am very excited to see this, uh, him in the new Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. Like I knew he was going to be in it because they've announced he was, uh, in that movie, but in Loki, it sold me on him. Like, yep. I don't care for this character in the comics, but now I cannot wait for the MCU version. Yeah. Loved him. It's interesting because like as much as I was kind of meh on like the finale as far as the show went, I loved what it did for the MCU as a whole and what it's setting yes. up for the next movies. So I, again, I simultaneously feel elated by that finale and also kind of meh and kind of bored on the finale, depending on if I'm looking at it through the lens of it as a TV show versus it as a piece of a larger meta narrative. Um, that being said, Black Widow did like the opposite for me, where as a standalone story, I thought it was pretty good, but what it's actually doing for the MCU was almost nothing. You know, it was like we got, you know, some new characters introduced. Um, I really liked her sister that I'm already forgetting her name. Oh, yeah. Yelena. Yelena. Yeah, she is amazing. She was a great character. I hope we see more of her and it looks like they'll find ways to work her into the MCU. But yep. the movie and the story itself should have happened like before Infinity War before like, you know, where it actually fits in the timeline. It probably should have come out. What? Three, four, five years ago. Something like that. Um, it should have, and I've seen Scarlett Johansson like talk on that, and I will say the one thing that she says that is absolutely right is that if they had done this movie earlier, then it would have been a very different movie, and the characters would feel so different 
that uh, the way that the current culture uh, is right now in Hollywood let them make this movie and say the things that they said, which are very important. And I don't mind that it doesn't do anything to the overall MCU. There are things it should have done and didn't and things that it just barely touched on. But I really like what this movie did as a movie on its own. I think it is great that uh, I love watching it. We saw it in the theater uh, opening night and then bought it on Disney Plus. I bought access on Disney Plus, I guess, uh, the next day and rewatched it. And it's just as good watching it the second time. Like, we love it. Good. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. I don't think I was as strong on it as you are, but I definitely thought it was a good movie and I liked it. I would say somewhere in the middle of the MCU movie rankings for me, but like maybe upper middle definitely doesn't reach like the high of highs, but it's no, no. it's good. It's probably in the top half. You know, if I had to draw that line somewhere. Yeah, for sure. It's probably in the top uh, third to quarter for me, depending on how I'm feeling at any given time. Um, it is absolutely in the top half, though, like for sure. Like it's great at what it does. It's no Thor Ragnarok, but very few things are. Yes, exactly. Well, that was a nice ramble on a bunch of topics. I think we're going to do it again next week. Uh, don't forget, you guys are two weeks, two weeks from now. I know how scheduling works. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions or feedback. Our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek to geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network, like I mentioned above, and our digital magazine on Patreon. Except not above, I mean before. <laughs> I blog at agreemushroom.com. You can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. Comics. Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.